Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I am hopping mad and I want something in the middle. Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Dad! Monkey tennis. Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. No. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis. Edmonds is a total wasp of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter than the sun. I said, who the hell is that? Like, this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Hello everyone and welcome to the last in the current series of Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast as we conclude our look at Alan's own podcast from the Oast House, Series 2, Tranche 1. I'm Adam Brooks and I'm joined by Tom Dark. That's what I'm talking about. Nick Older. Yeah, that was the quote I was going to use, Thomas. And Tom Stab. <laughs> All the money comes. <laughs> So we're going to be looking at chapter 11, uh, the last chapter of the current tranche of series two uh, called Perfect Day. But before that, as always, we like to look at a little bit of the promo trail that's been running around from the Oast House. So the stuff that Alan or Steve have been doing outside of the podcast itself to promote it or to update us on where we're at in the world of Partridge. Uh, starting this week with Nick. So I'm going to talk about the newscast interview um, with Steve Coogan. And for context, this took place on the 29th of September. And you 
might or you might remember Liz Trust. There was a person called Liz Trust that hey. brief, briefly ran the country. Uh, and like me, she, a bit like me, she was briefly mindless. Um, but you might recall she did a morning on uh, lots of local radio stations and. Uh, the newscast team used this as an opportunity to get Steve Coogan in to uh, air his views. Uh, I thought it was interesting that the episode itself was called Alan Partridge on Liz Truss. And, and the reality is that it was actually it was Steve Coogan um, giving his kind of views. But I thought the labelling of the episode was somewhat misleading. Um, it's absolute but, clickbait titling, isn't it? Definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. But it was really interesting, actually, because they talked, they covered quite a few subjects. So not only did you get a bit of a glimpse into Steve's politics, which I think, you know, we we, we all broadly know are left-leaning. Um, but you also got a bit of um, film promo, because he was obviously uh, promoting uh, his, his new film, as well as talking about Alan. So it kind of covered quite a lot of bases. It's about a 10-minute episode. Um, and I would say that, you know, if you if you want uh, something that kind of covers lots of different areas, it's it's well worth giving a go. But it's it's nice to hear Steve uh, talking about um, the kind of the, 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 the local radio of kind of Partridge and his love for local radio, uh, obviously, as, as Liz Charles was kind of going around the country. So they kind of, uh, I think, use that as a justification to get him on. So um, he's very much kind of uh, still a supporter of local radio, although he does admit he doesn't exactly listen to it himself. But very good episode uh, and interview. Um, so if you've got the time, dig it out. That's interesting, isn't it? Because quite a lot of people at the time were, were sort of slating local radio and saying that oh, Liz Truss was doing it because she was going to get an easy ride of it, basically. And I think that got proven very much wrong. Uh, so it's nice to hear Steve <laughs> yeah. coming out in favour of local radio and not the sort of dismissing everything on local radio as lightweight. I think there's a lot of good investigative journalists out there. Um, so the next bit of content, uh, he was also on The One Show, which I believe Tom Dark has Yeah, covered. he was on The One Show on the 3rd of October. Nick, I was just wondering, because I have listened to newscasting, but it was ages ago. Was the the promo hook for that the Richard the Third film? Do they do they talk about yes. that? In, yeah, yes, yeah, they, okay. yeah, they do. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So uh, with Steve being on the one show uh, on third of October, this is also around uh, the Richard the Third film that he is in, uh, The Lost King. So that was the promo hook for this as well. But it, you know, obviously, what always happens, Partridge always comes up in the mix as well. But it's interesting; these things very much weren't to promote the Oast House, unlike him being on the Empire Film Podcast when he was there to talk about the Oast House podcast. Um, anyway, yeah, I mean, I think this this one show uh, appearance this time round uh, was relatively short. Um, not loads to say uh, about the Partridge world, but they, they do start uh, this section with a clip of him on stage with Coldplay. Uh, Steve talks about the fact he's wearing a Snow Patrol jacket to put a cat amongst the pigeons, so I thought that was quite a nice... Uh, Alan quotation from Coogan there uh, and then kind of uh, everyone on the sofas they then go off on one a bit about Coldplay and one of the presenters has to cut in to just kind of say we're here to talk to Steve about his film which I just thought was quite funny they're kind of losing control of the uh, of the guests much like Alan would I guess um, and I thought as well or, or, or actually that Dave Clifton would I'm technically a guest oh, and you failed to control me yeah mm. yeah also, also that yeah yeah um, I thought it's quite funny Steve in this particular interview genuinely it's starting to look like Saxondale in real life he's got quite long hair and it's getting quite what it basically gets whiter the longer it gets um and yet yeah, lots of chat about Richard III from The Lost King uh just one of a little uh, partridge tidbit uh they basically had to do a microphone switch for some reason 
think his lapel mic stopped working they gave him a handheld mic to switch over and when he has that he just does a little aha and just looked really <laughs> pleased with himself which i just thought was quite funny um but yeah they're not, not really much more partridge gold than that and uh yeah just thought it was worth noting uh one of his more high profile interviews yeah Super, thanks very much for that. So the order of business from here on in, we're going to be talking about the final episode of this uh, section of Series 2 called Perfect Day, um, and we'll then be looking at uh, well, our feelings about this series as a whole, where it fits in the uh, in the Partridge rankings and uh, what he might go on to do next, and obviously uh, look at your humble listener feedback at the same time. Uh, so starting with the episode, uh, Tom Stab has the synopsis for Perfect Day. Yes, episode 11, Perfect Day. Alan decides to focus on what matters, an afternoon teaching his grandchildren about the wonders of the solar system. Now, I like this a lot because it implies that up until this point, Alan has spent nigh on 65 years deciding to focus on what doesn't matter. Um, And it's only now he's decided to focus on what actually matters. Um, Also, there's, I guess, a little bit of a note at the top of this episode before we really get into the content where Alan, uh, or perhaps Steve, let's be honest, um, is, is determining to what extent this is the whole of series two or if there's more of it right so alan's saying that these 11 episodes are series two tranche one um audible wants to call the next 11 series three um but in his own mind and no one can stop him this is very much just tranche one and i thought this is a rare occasion where pretty much every word alan's saying i feel it coogan and the gibbons are saying as well audible probably have insisted they split a series into two because series one of the oast house was twice as long as this yeah, I mean, series one was 18 episodes, I think, right? So we've had 11 for this second series. I mean, to be honest with you, I'm pleased. I think this works better as an 11-episode experience than 18, personally. Um, but it's interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into this a bit more with list feedback, but, you know, some people have been kind of almost complaining that this series is shorter, but I just think it's made it easier to kind of digest and spend a bit more time with each episode. I mean, obviously, we have kind of time constraints of trying to listen to it multiple times to record our thoughts on the episodes but i mean i'd be amazed if let's say series three comes out on audible and they've titled it series two tranche two because i think basically that would just confuse the general public it's going to be series three isn't it the other thing is that this is very much a tactic of streaming services now isn't it to split a series into two parts so that people just don't sign up for the free trial and then watch the mm. thing that they want to watch yeah. watch the thing so oh mm. new series of stranger things brilliant i'll reactivate my account do it for or they do the free trial or they just do it for a month and then stop and then and then start it up again it's in it they do it in order to make sure that you 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 keep you keep your subscription going especially given that uh, we we believe that this is audible's biggest launch of the year as well so if you know effectively you don't want to give your cash cow away to people on the free trial uh, in its entirety yeah exactly yeah um, so uh, the episode opens with Alan uh, mulling on the concept of a perfect day uh, as ever he goes to Twitter for some perfect day submissions <laughs> I thought this is actually very close to um, the now legendary bank holiday what you doing who's with you um, mm. in terms of the sort yeah, of quali- quality and range of the suggestions and I think you know we all know <laughs> yeah. that's become a bit of an Alan uh, a bit of Alan gold over the years there was also a bit of uh conversation about the perfect day in um the spa episode in series one of boast house as well so it's kind of a similar retread but i did think this uh the contributions from the twitter followers i thought this was a great segment i think perhaps for me the strongest twitter segment of this series don't know what you guys thought of that 
I'd agree with well, that. There's, there's one particular highlight for me. <laughs> <laughs> is it a three-word highlight by any chance? <laughs> yeah. Hang on, there's a way that that could be interpreted. Is it my highlight? Is it is it actually my highlight of my perfect day? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we know it is. Yeah, I, I think I think that the, the good thing here is that they they don't retread too much of the same joke ground. They've got I think seven suggestions, and each of them is funny, but funny in a different way to the mm. others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confounding expectations halfway through, or you know that sort of thing. So the first one, obviously, someone says they do a ride along with uh, with the DEA um, in the US raiding crack houses in Central LA. Houses sounds very exciting. <laughs> and then they say, yeah, it sounds very exciting, but it's actually a sober reminder. And then they go on to sort of be very uh, very sort of emotional and heartfelt about the sort of the underlying. Core Causes of crack addiction, which is really <laughs> funny to hear Alan try and navigate. Um, and the, but then then you get one that's sort of like much more of Alan Street fry up fish and chips, British Grand Prix, curry in the evening, uh, an absolute cholesterol fest, but one that Alan can get on board with. <laughs> one way street to a heart attack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Number three, I'm guessing is Stab's favourite, <laughs> crisps and wanking. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What crisps? Though? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then four, you've got the day of two halves. So the Chelsea Flower Show, uh, gardening, and uh, <laughs> talk about uh, a day of extremes with, as well. Like cake, get cake with his mum. I mean, yeah, you could all we all had our own predictions on how the second half of this day was going to go. But uh, I was not, not sure. expecting the way this time, this turned. No, uh, he hunts paedophiles <laughs> by pretending to be a teenage girl. I predicted there'd be a sordid second half that you know perhaps also as a bonus punchline included his dad um, because he'd gone to the Chelsea Flower Show with his 80, 80 year old mum. But no, it's a an even darker turn i liked alan's little just kind of comment on this just mm, i prefer mornings <laughs> yeah. very nice and succinct uh you then get a, a, a number five is the feast of fools instantly outdated as soon as we heard it because uh, there's a long-running reference to prince charles obviously not prince charles anymore um about uh, the feast of fools which is a traditional day where masters would swap with servants and can we just enjoy that this uh this section is outdated they were outdated by two days i think Charles being king two days after this was submitted to Audible. We talked a bit in, in last week's episode about them putting in more up-to-date cultural references. And do you think they actually, this time when they did, <laughs> they did it with some confidence because they knew the writing was running so late. They thought this is going to go live in three days. There's no way this is going to yeah. be update. <laughs> so much of it is. What a fucking mental time. Yeah. Can I do my King Charles impression again? Yeah, go it's on. really good. Would you like a gin and tonic, sir? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it was better when you did it last week, but it, it's yeah, still good enough. though. It is still good. Still good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And solid, I think also, solid. kudos to Coogan. I think yeah, his impression is great here. I enjoyed that a lot. Very good. Yeah, I uh, did. Too. <laughs> don't just stand there. Go and stand get there. it. That's <laughs> get so it. Good. Uh, interesting bit about the Feast of Fools that Alan says he thinks it would make a good TV series. Then he says it's probably already been done on Channel Five. It's been and gone. There's some fucking shit on TV these days. So yeah. I thought. Does he think it's good or not? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Very confused. I think, do you think the evolution there is that he thinks it's a good TV series when there's a prospect of him making it and then when he considers that Channel 5 would have done mm. it, suddenly it's dog shit? 100%. If it's a Pear Tree or an Apache production, it's fine. But um, also, I'm sure there must be some kind of equivalent upstairs, downstairs, but in real life type show that has been on Channel 4 or Channel 5. But uh couldn't find anything on googling but i'm pretty certain something like that or you know like the real life downton abbey or something like that i'm sure that must exist 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so to wrap up the Twitter suggestions, number six is someone yodeling in the Swiss Alps, although they live in an assisted living facility. Uh, and then finally, uh, someone, uh, a, a Twitter follower who listens in from uh, Myanmar saying, um, spend the day in the West where freedom is taken for granted. Uh, they haven't seen their loved ones for 10 years, to which Alan says, it's fair enough, but he was looking for ones that were a bit more fun. And I, that's one of the things I really enjoyed about this whole round of Twitter responses that we talked about. None of these get the tone right, but all in very different ways. And that just feels like a classic kind of Alan moment. You know, I, I think these are some of the highlights you get in I'm Alan Partridge world or Mid Morning Matters world when he's dealing with the callers and all of them are just so wrong for what his actual radio show should be. I think this is also a bit of an example of maybe getting some stuff that, that might otherwise have ended up on the cutting room floor. So when you've got uh, something like this time, you can only afford to make one of these jokes, really. Um, and so I think that there are often times where they've got a funny joke and then they improve on it and they change it, but you only ever hear the, fu- the version they went with in the end. Whereas I feel like this is almost, you know, there are seven funny outcomes to this question and they've put all of them in. Yeah, I, I guess having a setup like this is such an easy way to have so many kind of random scenarios that will just work because you're giving the conceit of like basically how insane people on Twitter can be that they could basically submit anything. Yeah, I think it's at this point that we start to uh, deconstruct uh, Lou Reed's uh, Perfect Day song, which obviously is kind of the focal point of, of what we're sort of talking about um, today. Um I don't know about anyone else, but I really enjoyed uh, they talk about drinking sangria in the park, but actually kind of Alan describes sangria as chunky wine, and I just thought that's the perfect <laughs> way to describe sangria. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. No. Uh, he does have an issue, though, that generally uh, park drinking isn't prohibited, so he's not too keen on that. No, but I was, as he was saying this, um, I was thinking of Clapham Common uh, two summers ago and seeing some of the scenes there on a Saturday night no one was being told to move on. And, and that, that part was a, a real disgrace, actually. A real disgrace. Are there people running around town, there people running around town smacked off their tits? Is that put what it, you say? Put it this way. If you're a squirrel, you, you wanted to be hiding in a tree because <laughs> shoes were being thrown. Are, are you the squirrel in this scenario? I was scared. <laughs> yeah. Another group of people whose perfect day sounds like a bit of a dog's dinner then. Um, Nick, Nick the squirrel. Exactly, yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, it's uh, it's sort of uh, is mentioned here that that the original was written largely about Lou Reed's heroin addiction, which also reminded me that it didn't really make a great example for a BBC charity record a few years ago. But that is why, yeah, happened, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, this is this is also um, very much the Sunday Bloody Sunday where Alan's like, "Oh, a massacre! Oh, not listen to that again." He's like, "Oh, I thought this was just about a perfect day," and he's thinking about it along the lines of what would be a perfect day, and as you say, completely missing the point. There's not really about a perfect day it's about someone struggling, uh, yeah. someone struggling with drug addiction you get that oh, not not for me yeah <laughs> um should we delve into what alan's perfect day actually is because he does give us a breakdown of this we absolutely should all right so we're, we're going uh morning coffee a big ah uh, stretches streaky bacon lunch with the guys uh where there will be political analysis peppered with humor uh, a pint of bitter then he's on the veranda uh, basically on the veranda with Katrina they're having two glasses of Pims uh, the sun goes down, it's back to the room to raise merry hell and let your imagination run riot, I think that covers it yeah but he's not content to let your imagination run riot oh, no. is he, so he, then, <laughs> so he, he will spell says, it out oof, remarkable woman 
sex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, also, also enjoyed that the uh, pint of bitter in the veranda very much called back to Iron Man and Partridge. Yeah, yes. We take Simon yeah. Heffer on the veranda, and he has a pint of bitter, I think, at mm. that point as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I also enjoyed uh, this whole section. There are lots of very small, kind of almost off mic asides, mm. which I found mm. so funny. Like they're prompted yeah. proper laugh out loud moments, <laughs> particu- particularly the mm, sex. Yeah. <laughs> I've just got a note here that says uh, it's the gala opening of Alan's project brackets in his garage, yeah. <laughs> which I think tells you a lot about the scale and ambition of Alan's projects. Um, so yes, he's uh, he's basically finished his solar system uh, and is ready to unveil it. We also uh, get a reminder that he records above his garage, which he calls the Eagle's Nest after Hitler's hideaway, which seems like a very odd thing. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's holiday, isn't it? Hitler's holiday home. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, either way, bit, bit, bit odd, bit odd. Um, I think Katrina might like that though. Yeah, I. <laughs> it's still good. Um, we were talking in last week's episode. Actually, you were uh, Thomas Dark about how you didn't enjoy the reeling off of the names and how you didn't really find the comedy in that. There was a bit of that for me in this section where you know Alan talking about the different planets in the solar system. There was some there was some funny moments kind of weaved throughout it, but this as a section yeah. didn't do lots for me um i don't know what anyone I'd else agree. thought i i would agree but i did like the uh, the idea that this voiceover is supposed to be aimed at his grandchildren and yet it's going into extreme detail using <laughs> overcomplicated <laughs> words and there's a very long bit about the effects of radiation poisoning which is all yeah. very yeah. inappropriate for children i do yes. yeah i do enjoy things like his, his, his over the top like and also this is a bit of a call back to uh, know me knowing you uh, radio series when he says massive organ failure um, <laughs> yeah. wasn't it <laughs> yeah. in, in No Me Knowing You radio wasn't it uh, massive internal injuries or something like mm. that from the um, from getting beaten up by the It Girls uncle or something like that I can't even remember exactly what it was but yeah I did enjoy massive organ failure <laughs> and there is a bonus Kirsty Allsop dig as well so that's always yeah. that's always, <laughs> always I was going to say it's worth it's worth wading through some of the slightly duller bits of this to have Kirsty Allsop compared to the sun in terms of it being something that can kill us or at a distance be our friend it's <laughs> <laughs> so good that is that is great that is great um, he, he says once again that the sound design for this was done by Nathan his new friend he says his protege or mentor or, or probably should, should should look up which the right one is but that's quite funny because those are the opposite of each other mm. <laughs> and if yeah. he doesn't know if he's a protege or a mentor that, that answers his own question i think yeah yeah e- either way it's time for some gene michael jar meets there we go jokes. he's back <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um i thought there were some great jokes in the voice over here uh because particularly particularly what i picked out was um alan saying uh something like oh uh this could all be yours if you work hard follow your dreams and keep attending a fee-paying school <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other highlight I thought was that it then pretty much goes straight into the intro script for War of the Worlds, the chances of anything coming from Mars, yeah. which I thought was great. Wild and then Woods. it kind of like cuts it off. Yeah, w- w- Wild Woods. <laughs> it seems like it's a, it's a shame that his uh, hit show It's a No Brianer didn't take off. I thought that was really good. Brian May, Brian Cox didn't want to do it. I don't think, I don't think, I mean, the jamming bit maybe is a bit rubbish, but I don't think it's a terrible no. idea. But um, no. unfortunately, Brian May didn't want to do it and Brian Cox didn't want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good that is so, because that's like you can imagine he's kind of somehow got to them got to their agent or representative whatever pitched the idea and they haven't even bothered saying oh sorry we're not available or like there's a scheduling yeah. conflict it's like no 
I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, so the thrust of this episode is revealed. Jack and Ruby are coming to visit, um, and so Gregor <laughs> makes another appearance. He's been round to paint the planet. I'm worried about Gregor. Yeah, with another very silly gag. Uh, uh, he's, he's painting Alan's planets and says, uh, "I'll give you Rainus a lick if you like." To which Anna said, "I thought you were back with your wife," which is <laughs> as silly as it si- is funny. He's such a silly gag, but I'd like the fact they've they've done that exact gag twice. They've now, doubled down. They've doubled yeah. down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. Anything anus related, funny. Yeah. <laughs> speaking speaking of things people are absolutely fine with, um, North Norfolk Digital, the call never came. But that's fine. 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 That's <laughs> fine. Uh, yeah. He doesn't mind. He doesn't give a fucking shit either way. Probably. Yeah. It's that. Yeah. Yeah. None. Uh, none of it matters. Yeah. So ba- yeah. Basically, Alan tells us he's thrown his heart and soul into this uh, solar system project because he decided none of it matters. He's only decided that, as I think we talked about the other week. Uh, he's only decided it doesn't matter because he's realised he can't get back into the broadcast world uh, i quite enjoyed his brief dig at dj's crying when they retire <laughs> and how insignificant dj's are now that he knows he can't be one again so he's at pains to point out uh that the need for kind of safety around his installation which uh basically involves the kids wearing uh, rubber shoes and there's five fire extinguishers uh, which he's painted to look like um rocket ships which is good but there is also crucial safety information on uh, fire extinguishers so i'd say probably don't paint over them and remember the colors do reflect (laughs) the sorts of fires that they deal with so again probably don't paint them um (laughs) but yeah certainly uh, certainly a red flag uh, should we say if there's that much health and safety uh, required (laughs) and remember these are very young children that you're bringing to this as well i did feel like his sort of cavalier macgyvering of all of this solar system was quite reminiscent of um the apache meeting when he puts the table together and has Lynn put the hazards on in I'm Alan Partridge like just sort of cobbling bits together and hoping for the best and obviously this is very heavy signposting you know things like small risk of a fire you're going yeah mm, I wonder what's going to happen at the end of this episode then it's very clear where it's going. Yeah. Um, oh, I did have a prediction at this point, which I guess came partially true, which is that he's got armadillo security in stored doors and blinds. And I thought they're going to prove to be very little match for the inevitable fire <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it time for the sting where we hear about um, uh, the cities that Norwich is twin Twin with towns. And, and mm. where Alan is and crucially is not going to go and visit? Give us a recap, yeah. I wasn't a massive fan no, of this section. No, I, I, I would agree. No. And I, I fear that my handwriting will fail me with the pronunciations of, of these names as it, as it has Adam so many times. But is it a, a Ru- Rouen? Rouen? Rouen in France? Rouen in France, yeah. Rouen, yeah. Coblenz? Co- Novi Sad. Novi Sad and Coblenz. No. And then mm-hmm. another one in Nicaragua? Eh. <laughs> No, no, I can't. I can't. <laughs> oh, it's an absolute Sophie's choice, isn't it? Try, try it and be offensive, or stay silent and be an idiot. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd love to go. To, I would love to go to those three places that he names. That I would like to go. Um, but yeah, obviously, uh, Alan is not impressed with. Um, uh, the, the, the towns that uh, Norwich has been paired with and he is going to take it to uh, the city council for a public inquiry to see if he can get them removed um, we hear a little bit from Fernando at this point although in probably the world's briefest text message begrudgingly dropping the kids off for uh, Alan to look after them will drop kids at 12 collect at 3 no dairy for Ruby yeah there's no love lost there is there that is uh, as brief as a text message can be pretty much isn't it uh, it was at, it was at this point that I was um caught off guard with where the narrative goes i don't know if anyone else kind of felt like it was a bit of a rug pull in terms of what happens next 
I mean, I didn't see it coming, but I think it makes perfect sense for the character because, in essence, what happens is he sees an opportunity to get back in at North Norfolk Digital. So instantly, the kids have forgotten about that whole plan about spending the afternoon with them. Is just he he's running off to the car, right? That's. I, mean, yeah. I don't think anybody would have seen that coming, but I think that's yeah, not I a think surprise. Just, that's what Alan's done. Yeah, um, I think it was just hearing Barbara Bickerton as well um, being, in his words pissed up on on air yeah, uh, and he hates that phrase <laughs> yeah he goes to pains to, to say that um but, but yeah crucially does does have to use it yeah yeah <laughs> i i also i enjoyed that he kind of um sort of it says that it can be hard to come back from once you've um you know been pissed on air uh, and he likens it to um broadcasting drunk doing a raster voice and then introducing uh, shaggy and making a joke at the sponsor's expense and it's at that point that he says you are on thin ice not that you know you would have gone too far it suggests that you know <laughs> even at that point the ice is, is still supporting you it's just getting thin i just want um, to briefly come back to being pissed up on air by the way so um there's quite an infamous uh there was quite an infamous occasion i think in might have been like 2013 that there was a presenter on BBC Radio Stoke who basically got pissed up on air on her final show. So it became quite a kind of infamous uh, industry radio gaffe. Uh, I don't know if you guys are all familiar with this. I mean, there's basically a clip that is eight minutes long. We won't play that whole thing in, but I think it is worth probably dropping 20, 30 seconds in of this because this is genuinely hilarious. So just basically the, the synopsis on this is, uh, yeah, Paula White on BBC Radio Stoke slurred through her final show. White had been slurring her speech for 30 minutes before being replaced by fellow DJ uh, Denim Schlergertz. She told listeners she was letting them pick the songs because she was having a P-A-R-T-Y. When one listener texted White to say she sounded drunk, the 16-year radio veteran responded, I'm not drunk, I've had a couple of drinks, but I'm not drunk. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's, let's have a quick listen to this and you make up your own minds. Is she drunk? time let's say you pick the music oh yeah it's a p-a-r-t-y because i said so this is like king game oh my goodness if you want a song let's have a party 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 rich and talk says paulie you sound drunk i'm not drunk i've had a couple of drinks i'm not drunk <laughs> I'm sad. Paula Stoke, we'll miss you, Paula. Shame you're going. Won't be the same in the week. Be listening on a Saturday, says Rog and Benkel. And wishing you all the best for the future, says Rog and Benkel. Oh, We're having a party. We can. We absolutely can. Oh, a perfect day. Perfect day uh, by various artists. Obviously, it's 25 minutes to two. Good afternoon. Uh, unfortunately, Paul is not feeling quite well, so she, with it being her last afternoon show, so she's she's gone home. So, unfortunately, or fortunately, as the case may be, you've got me till four o'clock. So, uh, yeah, like Barbara Pickerton, sounds like she needs a bloody good arm around her bloody shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do we? Do you think she was pissed up? Do you think she? She she only had a couple of drinks. Only had a couple of drinks. Um, also, the fact that she mentions about like that she's got to cry and stuff, which is obviously a good uh, other Alan reference about radio presenters crying on air when they do their last show. Yeah, it all ties in nicely.
Um, also, like the sort of uh, the, the, the joke about uh, radio stations like this being massively under resourced by him saying, "There's an HR department, but she's not in on Wednesdays." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. just the one, just the one woman HR department there. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Uh, is it time to hear about DI Digger? <laughs> it is, yeah. I mean, th- this is this is basically uh, a bit of a uh, sort of elbow in the ribs to the police, isn't it? And how the IPCC doesn't uh, necessarily uh, chastise them as it should. But essentially we find out that um, uh, Jeff Goff, uh, or DI uh, Jeff Goff, or Digger, uh, is one of Alan's friends who has got into drink driving as if that's a thing you can get into like playing <laughs> like a hobby. yeah like playing badminton or starting to play tennis it's like sure you know, I've tried drink driving recently and uh, uh, and and yeah Alan kind of warns him that um you know it's only a matter of time until uh, a police officer will forget to turn off the dash cam and he'll have to be arrested uh, but Digger reminds him that uh, the IPCC it, it will basically be fine and Alan's like oh yeah yeah Sorry, <laughs> not the not the first time. Even this series that Alan's referred to as sort of a friend or an associate of his, who's basically should be or is in hot trouble with the law. Um, I mean, I've, I know obviously there's a partridge archivist these days. I'd love to know what the tally is over the years of basically associates of Alan's that have fallen foul of the law or involved in criminal behaviour. It feels like it's a lot. They're, they're either all like drink drivers or ordering mail order brides or being inappropriate with underage boys. It's it's very worrying. I don't know what is going on in Norfolk, but stay away from it. So um, it becomes apparent that he wasn't needed after all at North Norfolk Digital. Um, he went down to deal, help deal with the crisis. It was a bit of a spare part like uh, like James May. Um, yeah. Another great little uh, Clarkson dig. Um and uh, yeah, it turns out that Barbara wasn't drunk. She was uh, diabetic and uh, having a hyperglycemic episode. Uh, so at this point, we find that Guy Winch is grateful to Alan and asks how he can return the favour. And Alan says, no, no, don't, don't worry about it. Um, but he's uh, given some uh, advice from 
uh, Schnapsy, is that right? Has anyone got the advice that Alan gives? Yeah, I, th- I think this is one of uh, Stab's possibly favourite lines in the series. So I think Stab, do you want to do you want to delve into this one? Just before we do, can I give you my deeply inaccurate prediction that I put in before this? I put, I put. It seems like Alan is now like more attuned to think about his legacy. He's old enough to think like he, you know, he wants to be remembered as a bit of a hero. That's more important to him than income. Post BBC, he's probably fairly comfortable for life, or at least for retirement. So maybe that's the reasons behind these choices. How wrong I was. It's not run, that. The, run, please run the quote. Um, yeah, Adam, that is that is bang wrong. I think. I think. In essence, I think if Tom Stab can talk us through, I think, what is possibly one of his favourite moments of the series, I think, really, we need to look at this through the lens of advice from Grant Shapps. Am I right? Uh, yes, definitely. Why do you think it's one of my favourite things from the series? Is it because I keep WhatsApping it to the group? <laughs> that is why, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. Uh, so, Schnapsy, Alan, if you ever want to succeed in life, be kind to people. And through a gradual butterfly effect, you find all the money comes... All the money comes. It's quite menacing, that isn't it? Um, it is, and also it's quite menacingly delivered by Alan yeah. as well. But I, I absolutely crack up every time I hear that. It's great. It's great. A um, couple of other quick bits about Alan being at North Norfolk Digital. Um, so you've got this now recurring motif about him popping a piece of chewing gum in his mouth, which he thinks is some kind of signifier of cool and establishment or whatever he feels it is at that time. Um, and yeah, you've got him mangling all the double negatives, so they don't think you never think I ain't ever gonna not be around. I think I got that down right. Um, and yeah, this kind of how insincere it is, because it, essentially the schnapsy advice is: look, just ride it out, be nice to people, and you'll find a way to make money. So, you know, when he's saying, "If I'd actually have meant that, I'd really like that man." So there is zero sincerity to this. Um, but I thought there was one other North Norfolk Digital bombshell, which is uh, Angela is still working on the front desk. I mean, I'd have seen perhaps Angela might have moved on, but uh, no, she is still there. Um, yes, and back at home, Alan's garage is on fire. Uh, he left the grandkids there while he went to North Norfolk Digital, but don't worry, Katrina's looking after them, but no. The solar system's on fire. Literally, his universe is burning. I mean, a very on-the-nose line there. Yeah. I, I enjoyed him saying, Pappy's here, Pappy's here. Pappy's here. I, I, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing like fundamentally wrong with it, but the, the term Pappy, I don't know, gives me a bit of the ick. Um, <laughs> well, it's, him, it's him sort of assuming a pet name that he's not earned or spent enough time with the grandkids yeah. to sort of, yeah. you know, he's trying to force it. Force yeah, it yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Also, they probably, I, I think, they, pro- they, they probably call him Alan, don't yeah. they? <laughs> yeah. I feel like I feel like the most revealing thing isn't about Alan or the grandkids, though. It's about Katrina's ability to do him a favour or look after children. <laughs> yeah. Like literally, he's been away for about forty-five minutes, and the whole garage is on fire. Also, he refers to Katrina as the woman I'm seeing. It's like we know this as the listeners to the podcast. That's very evident. So I thought that was quite quite interesting that that's how he explains who she is. I did enjoy like his. His in for a penny, in for a pound approach, mm. though. The, the garage is already on fire, so why not throw some fireworks Absolute on it? Absolute blaze <laughs> of glory. Yep, to the uh, dismay of his neighbour, who has a lot of dogs, who are now presumably also traumatised. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then the, the, the sign-off with the no kids, just dogs like to sit and wipe your ass when you're old. It's like, well, but Alan's kids barely even talk to him, so it's not like he's winning on that front either. Yeah, Fernando will not be doing any ass wiping. No. <laughs> Denise presumably is, is not even in contact anymore. No, she she's not she's not been mentioned uh, at all in this series, has she? No. No, no. Well, I think she doesn't she hasn't provided him with any grandchildren, has she? And so therefore, no. she's of no interest. Yeah. Cut off. 
And here we are at the end of uh, the, the current, well, I wouldn't say series, but the tranche, tranche. let's be honest, the tranche, <laughs> tranche. Um, with a sort of perfect day cover of sorts, um, which has got some nice touches, but I did think it was a bit of a limp end to the mm, series, not as good limp. as the Katrina song. Um, yeah, you know, I can see the CB Katrina. on Mackie D's is is, is a, a fine line, but not, not a hilarious one. Doesn't feel very Alan, though. I, I wouldn't think that Alan, the character, would call McDonald's Mackie D's. Mm. That doesn't seem right That's to fair. me. That's fair. I agree. That's fair. Uh, I mean, the line I enjoyed most in this was left the poo bags in the car, we'll just have to stick and flick. It's stick and flick, I, in, it? I only <laughs> enjoyed that just because it's like, it. as a dog owner, I was like, I understand what that is. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's not even yeah. funny. I was like, "Yep, that's accurate. That's yep, a that's thing. a thing that people do." Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so there we are at the end of the series. There's a Lynn voice note, uh, voicemail um, to remind him that he has to do the credits for Audible. This is how he. This is how they get away with the sort of the legal necessity to mention Steve Coogan, the Gibbons brothers, and all the other voice actors while still yeah. pretending it's a partridge thing. Um, so yeah, you obviously then, as as correctly predicted, Dan Skinner uh, is one of the voiceovers of this, amongst some other people that we may or may not recognise. Um, notable that the music's by Martin Coogan, Steve's brother, who was in the Mock Turtles, um, and I did think that's interesting because a lot of this music and the music in Stratagem, which I presume he also wrote, has that kind of sort of that feel of somebody who was in a famous band in the in the nineties has written this music. So I did. I did. I did wonder, music by Martin Coogan, whether that means all of the music, not just like the theme music or something. But if he's credited for the strategy music, I would assume, yeah, it's all of it. I, I would presume yeah. Martin is basically Nathan. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that brings us to the, the end of this tranche. Uh, so what did everybody think of this tranche? And can I find any more excuses to use the word tranche? Before we go into what we... Uh, better, more sought-after broadcasters thought of Oast House Series 2. We're going to start with your feedback, and Tom Dark is going to kick us off. Yeah, I, I think this is quite a, a key thing to start with, actually, because uh, it's probably the single uh, thing that we've had most comments on uh, for Oast House Series 2, or Series 2, Tranche 1, which is Alan's appearance in all the promo materials. Um, so I, I think you guys will see where this is going. Um, I'll, I'll just rifle through some of these. Dominic Garrity wrote, is that meant to be Partridge or is it just Coogan and him are now one? Barney Dillon, that outfit is almost all right. Does he hire a stylist in this new instalment? Sam Moffat, he actually looks quite good there. Rosie Frund, ooh, I'd love to have it off with him. Why is he hot now? Caroline Burt, Alan's not meant to be fit. Ollie Rizko, strangely attractive. Lewis Batch, he's gone for Scandinavian casual. Laura Jane, why does he look like Richard Hammond? Becky Rogerson, some nomad level neck scarfing going on here, but white on white and with a beard. My guess is a self-care vibe for Alan this time. So obviously some of these before people have heard the series. Um, Dazza. Alan has changed so much over the years that he has essentially evolved into Steve Coogan in looks, voice, thoughts and opinions. Jonathan Hollis. Strange that Alan has adopted a beard, as he said it's difficult to trust a bearded. Good point. Um, Cassiana Olga. Uh, writes from a for fault across the pond i just couldn't believe his look during a coldplay concert and now the oast house adverts all in jest of course and then she referenced in nomad um when they talk about the response to alan's looking out for papa i don't understand why your hair is like that people would say like it even freaking mattered you don't even look like alan anymore why is it like that that's not alan alan's is shorter why have you made a look at the back it shouldn't be long alan's short hair so obviously alan doesn't have a beard so outrage on the beard front or people just finding alan suddenly quite sexually attractive yeah, quite a few fops coming in out of the woodwork. Yeah, there they are. This week. <laughs> uh, I'm going to pick up with some uh, more listener feedback. Uh, the first one has come in from 
uh, Jed, or is it Ged? Um, we'll go with Jed Denton. And um, they say, best partridge since I'm Alan Partridge, big claim. Uh, Ian has come in via Twitter, says, I've taken my old Bakelite phone off the hook and I'm sipping a lovely cup of options, mint this time, while luxuriating in a brand new thick slice of Oast House goodness. First impressions? Alan can't half write about sexuality and sensuality. <laughs> Michael, who is at Horwichbloke19, says so many highlights. The erotic novel is a standout for me, though. Uh, James Coglan says, is it better than series one, or are we just more attuned now to a slower, long-form type of Alan? It's a thumbs up from me, though. Let's make love. Just had to add that on the end. Max, Max Ray Art says, disappointed, it's only four hours when the first series was over six. Uh-oh. Richard Fitz Thomas uh, writes, the Katrina song Alan launches into is quite possibly my favourite partridge moment ever. Hear that, Tom Dark? Had me crying with laughter <laughs> on a long drive. Had to pull into a five on ten services near uh, Abington to compose myself. And carrying on with the feedback, snub-nosed Uzi says, love it. He had more of an edge turning up the profanity that's a good point there is more swearing in this mm. in series two there seems to be um uh, carrying on uh, a serious uh, a serious undertone uh, to his state of mind and it challenges you to be more sympathetic love the disdain for guardian readers casty Olsop digs and grant shaps friendship does that make sense uh <laughs> laura least likely to says absolutely standout segment was the revelation that seldom loved a stainless steel salad bowl of coca-cola <laughs> Adrian Bavister says, feels on par with series one, which I loved. These podcasts are pure, raw Alan. I could literally listen to a new episode every day for the rest of my life. My favourite part so far is when he gobs on the wall, uh, and I don't think it'll be beaten. That's <laughs> a very specific uh, favourite part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Alex Davies says, it's a solid second season, albeit with less of an overall narrative than the first, apart from, the lo apart from loneliness, maybe. Uh, question, how can Alan afford a five-star trip to Dubai in business class whilst at the same time con uh, complaining about being cash-strapped? Uh, very good point. Thanks, Alex. Uh, Taylor writes, I can't stand the I really should do stand-up gag, but other than that, some laugh-out-loud moments and improvement on season one could have been a bit longer. Leaves me wanting more. Daniel Thal said, I found series two not as complete and rounded off as the first. I felt like they took what worked with the first and doubled down on it. Ryan Francis said, I think Oast House is the best partridge format. I've had episode one and two on repeat and they get better each time. Michael Shepard adds, am I the only person who would enjoy an LBC slot hosted by Alan Partridge? His choice of hourly topics would be exquisite jamie atkinson says given alan's recent bbc work would have made him more high profile than for a long time i'd have expected him to find be able to find a job with an apu version of gb news or talk tv though maybe that would be too easy a target and mark c baxter says regards pat still broadcasting maybe he's still doing it from prison like we see at the very end of alpha papa with alan talking to him very briefly on the phone yeah we did question in the uh, the episode that references pat farrell how he was broadcasting given that he's serving a lengthy jail sentence yeah i guess that's a uh, quite a good way to make that uh make that bit of narrative work um philip deed on email uh just kind of pointing out a detail that we missed uh i think in episode one um just to reassure you that trish trotter is a real person she is mentioned a number of times by peggy in a woman of no importance by alan bennett i hope this is helpful yes philip very helpful thank you very much and uh James Coughlin has uh, shared his thoughts and writes where a book has to have a more rigid narrative or structure the Gibbons slash Coogan can pop in whatever they like 
tracks, spoof ads, little songs, jokes, etc., without having to work too hard to shoehorn into the plot. I'm guessing it's probably easier and quicker to write, and the loose format is perfect for this kind of thing. Is Series 2 funnier than Series 1? It's tighter, and there are less threads left left loose. Uh, I really found this one more satisfying. Is that because we're more used to the podcast, what the podcast is all about now, whereas Series 1 we didn't know what to expect? Or is Series 2 better? Are we getting a third one? Question mark. I think we know the answer to that one, James. Um, but time will tell. We're certainly getting tranche two. Whether that is series three or not, we don't know. Quite yet, <laughs> yeah. Really. Um, Ian Brown, not that one, says, For me, the <laughs> best partridge is audio partridge, and this is still a very rich gold mine. Like the last series, parts feel rushed and still has uh, continuity issues, e.g. saying his new dog ignores him, then later talking about not owning a dog anymore. Uh, I've listened three times and just find Ep 1 too lacking to enjoy. The rest is lovely and I'm so happy Alan has lots of friends around him. We get to see more of this semi-retired partridge. Long may it last. Uh, a few people have been in touch on Facebook as well. Brendan Hooper said, I thought it was all mostly brilliant and had loads of funny moments. However, I think it'd be even better if a few more characters were brought in, especially if we could have heard Lynn's real voice instead of just being alluded to. Come on, Audible, pay Felicity some money to make it happen. I suggest £9,500 <laughs> for the multiple appearances across the series. That should do it. Now, I think, Brendan, probably the issue isn't that the money is coming from Audible. I think it's just not trickling down from the people <laughs> Audible are paying it to. <laughs> uh, Jamie Atkinson writes, like this time series two i feel the writers had learned and improved from the first run there were plenty of hilarious moments especially alan the writer and spoof adverts which kept me laughing throughout genuinely unsure where they're going to take the character next but excited to find out overall eight on ten uh michael brennan wrote what's with the music interludes where ads or the like would have been between segments is this them not having anything to fill it for real or to symbolize alan's demise is such that he cannot even get local messages on his podcast uh, it's not hitting the highs of the first series for me initially, but there have been some proper laugh-out-loud moments. Um, I've also said it's interesting. I didn't hear those kind of musical kind of a cappella interludes like they were supposed to be advert stings, but um would have been interesting. They could have used them like that and done fake adverts, but I'm not sure that would necessarily add much to it. Um, Gareth Vaughan Holloway wrote uh, to us to say, Time for Alan to go bye-bye, getting very boring. It's the same old, same old, relying on past catchphrases to prove that Steve was once funny. Now, I do wonder, has he only listened to the first episode where they do the Dan gag again? Yeah, interesting. Um, Well, speaking of Dan's, we've also had feedback from Dan M1983. And he says, I found the writers revisited various eras of Alan's lifestyle. I enjoyed this more than this time as I find Alan going about his life far more interesting than a talk show. What they need to do next, film Alan as he records his podcast. And Thomas Wright, 99, um, has written to say it was a lot more low-key than Series 1 of Oast House. I feel like this series, out of any other Alan outings, improves with subsequent listens. Uh, It's worth it just for Alan's acapella jingle. I've set it as my morning alarm and it wakes me up (laughs) with a smile on my face. Bye! Uh, next up, Backpack Digital uh, wrote in to say, Clear episode shuffle was very noticeable. I didn't like that. Loved everything else, though. Laughed out loud at uh, Fingered Out and Imagine Liz Truss. Uh, <laughs> overall, 8 on 10. Let's detonate an underwater depth charge. Uh, and <laughs> Kelly Her UK says, It's all over the place compared to Series 1, but it's Alan, and I'd listen to him read a takeaway menu. 
Very fair. Um, also on Instagram, Paris MJ said, Alan mentions the one show in episode two, which means both that and this time coexist in the APU. I always assumed this time went out instead of the one show. They're both BBC One shows, so I found it interesting. Bye. Uh, and the Avant Gardener said, some good gags throughout, but like Alan, definitely more listless and lacking direction. The emotional denouement of the series was a bit too similar to the first. As a dedicated fop, I enjoyed it, but those less cultish may find it aimless. Well, wow, very succinctly written comment there. Thank you very much. Um, for anyone else that's got thoughts, we'd love to hear them. Instagram at Monkey Tennis Pod, Twitter at The Partridge Pod, Facebook.com slash The Partridge Pod, email ThePartridgePod at gmail.com, or drop us a voice note on 07923600017 to feature in a future episode. But enough of all that, what did we <laughs> think? Um, can I get us started on this? Because uh, a little uh, behind the curtain uh, for the listeners, uh, I've, I've been on holiday recently, just got back, and whilst I was on holiday, Having a few beers, I tried to compose my concluding thoughts. So I'll be interested to know whether what <laughs> what I type down after a couple of holiday beers actually makes any sense. Um, so yeah, because I, I do think Oast House overall, so not just this series, like Oast House as a concept, I think works and it is a well chosen step for like the fans because it's kind of like revealing that world where from seeing Alan in the radio studio fans always wanted more of that so we got that in mid-morning matters and then after having audiobooks getting Alan narrating events we've seen in tv and film what have you to get more of his inner monologue ramblings without the constraints of being tied to pre-existing bodies of work I think that is why Oast House as a concept is great when it comes to this series series two versus series one I've actually really flipped and flopped over which one I think is better. I've been quite conflicted. I think definitely initially I did enjoy this more because I think the simple mechanic of having 11 episodes to digest instead of 18. Um, and I do think this benefited from not having a narrative arc because uh, I don't think High Noon in Series 1 really paid off or had like a massive purpose. I think there's a benefit. You could dip in and out and listen to these episodes in any order and it doesn't really make a huge difference, although there is an irony that we have obviously picked up on when things don't actually make narrative sense but i think it doesn't really matter if 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 you're a fan you can just choose an episode to listen to it doesn't matter where the high noon story is or whatever um and you know i do like you've got very consistent traits in this world of the gibbons allen uh which are quite consistent through lines um his singing um you know we've we've seen him do things like that before actually like even in know me knowing you or whatever like so actually they're, they're not inventing these things purely from nothing like alan trying to perform like that whether it's a kate bush medley a queen medley so him doing songs isn't totally random um much like alan's always been kind of inherently right wing but equally always tried to say or do the right thing him being homo curious kissing a man bucket list uh him always looking for mrs right him having a uh, kind of D-list celebrity friendship. So all these things are consistent across the APU that the Gibbons maintain throughout Oast House. But I think what's interesting to see is them bringing in this more maudlin Allen over the years. I think that feels like the big the big difference there. And I guess also the um, his kind of local friendships, which feels like that's quite a new thing. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that I think with Oast House, and I think Coogan and the Gibbons have talked about this, at this point with Alan, he's always trying to sell the right thing and step with modern society. And they're always trying to put him in the lens of the time. But what I thought was most interesting is, as quite evident from the writing team's political views, particularly Neil Gibbon's Twitter account, the most damning thing they can do with Alan as a character, and also the most subtle way to signpost that no matter what, he is still a slightly bigoted right-wing individual, is 
that Liz Truss is essentially his perfect woman and Grant Shapps is basically his best friend. So they have created a mellower and more likeable Alan since they've started writing together, but it's clever writing and quite subtle characterization because for the Gibbons, the Tories are basically the worst you can be. So it's like saying, look at these closest to him. Deep down, Alan is still the often unlikable arsehole that actually we know from the 90s. So I, I thought that was quite clever and I think they, there's that really does bring something to it. I think a detriment to Oast House is it is only really going to appeal to the diehards. Like, you know, I, I someone who's only ever watched I'm Alan Partridge series one or series two, I don't think they're going to enjoy this very much, even though you can dip in and dip out. It is quite esoteric and quite nuanced. It's not about big Alan moments. It's about small, long-developed Alan tropes. Um, so, yeah, I think... Overall, I probably did enjoy this series above the last one, but I do also think the quality is a bit inconsistent. And it feels like my worry about Oast House overall, I think across the APU, the strengths have always been quality over quantity. And I think we're now, what have we got, 27 episodes of Oast House already? And I think the quality in those is quite varied. So it feels like if it had been two episodes of six and no more, there could be an amazing 12 episodes of no weak moments at all. Um, so, But, you know, equally, I do think the audiobooks are some of the Alan high points. So I do think the potential in this to still be great is there, but I do think there is a bit of an inconsistency. Um, so those are my rambling thoughts. Oh, I think hol- holiday beers have brought out a lot of wisdom in you. <laughs> great, I'll do that more often. Um, I would go next if you like. I, I, I think I, broadly I enjoyed it. Um, inevitably, I, uh, yeah, I agree with you. There's some filler. I think it's fairly inconsistent. I think it's obvious that actually this is the first half of 22 episode, or you know, a, yeah, of, yeah. Of, of a longer string of episodes. I think if it if they'd only ever had 11 to write in the first place, this would feel much tighter. Um, I do differ um, because. I prefer a narrative streak um, and I don't feel like there's enough narrative and I think they've got a, a problem, you know, all jokes aside, similar to the, the Marvel universe in that not everybody's going to watch all of it, but when people dip in and out, it has to make sense to them. And I think for that reason, they don't move the narrative on as much as I'd like them to. Um, the other thing I found with this series that I've never really found with the APU before is I'm finding myself feeling more and more protective of Alan. You know, I'm, I'm asking myself, is Katrina right for him? Has he fallen in with the wrong crowd? Is he in denial? Like, I feel like as he gets older, I don't know if it's if, if, if there's a weird parallel to be drawn with all of our own parents, but he is sort of, a, you know, uh, not a dissimilar age to a lot of our parents that you sort of start to feel a bit of a concern. Like, you know, are, are, you know, are they okay? They take care of themselves. You know, and I think in Alan's case, because he makes such poor life decisions, that's that's really amplified. So, I, you know, I genuinely sort of, you know, have spent enough time with him now that I, you know, I want him to do well. I'd like him to succeed, and I, I worry when he doesn't. <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, my other thing that speaking of worries is that they've set up quite a lot of potential future projects. And Steve's talked about, you know, he'd like to do an album. They'd like to do historical travelogue. All of these are projects that I've got not a huge amount of interest in. It's not it's not the end of Alan that I really like. Um, so I'm a bit worried that that's the route, the route they're going to go down. The next few things he does are going to be things I'm not super keen on. Um, and yeah, like I said, I think it, it, it misses a bit of a narrative push. Um, besides the arrival of Katrina and the sort of back and forth with North North of Digital, which you know has ended in a bit of a, a bit of a nothing. Um, not much has moved on. We, we we don't really find him that different to how we found him at the start of the series, which I think is a bit of a shame. And I hope they do develop that more with uh, with the second tranche. 
I guess none uh, of it yeah. none of it's high stakes, is it? Like the North Norfolk Digital stuff, it's nothing really comes of it. It doesn't really feel like it matters. No, exactly. I worry, uh, Tom and Adam, that you've given um, quite eloquent, uh, detailed, insightful, considered, thoughtful critique, and I'm here to appeal to the slightly more lowbrow listener that's just given some rambling thoughts that haven't really been prepared, considered, or written in advance. Um, it's exactly, exactly your level. <laughs> it's fine. It's exactly my level. Um, <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, I really liked it. I really enjoyed it. I think getting into the merits of Series 1 to Series 2 is kind of a bit of a moot point. I don't, I don't think it's really about uh, one being better or worse than the other. And when you put Tranche 1 Tranche 2 together, in effect, they're going to be the same length. And I think that you've seen from Tranche 1 that this is going to continue, that these are rambling thoughts that don't ladder up to anything particularly, um, you know, big or, or or driving any kind of narrative agenda but for me I kind of like that and I liken it to something like a mid-morning matters where whilst I think more mid-morning matters has a clearer narrative structure that does have a payoff and at times can be a little bit more moving and drive a slightly more emotional um edge that I think lacks a little bit with with the oast house I think the simplicity the the banality and the kind of sheer kind of like indulgence of the host house is something that i enjoy and respond to and i'm not sure if it's just because of how i choose to listen to it i think i've said on episodes before we listen to it in bed pretty much every night as a kind of soothing way just when you say we that that's not the four yeah. of us just to be... yeah. can you imagine it's when we're not like morecambe yeah. and wise or yeah or bert and Annie. um yeah it's something that we kind of choose to listen to uh, most nights uh, when when in bed. And I've listened to it so many times. And I think it's not that you should think about it along these lines, but I paid seven ninety nine for it and I've listened to it so much and it's given me so enjoyment, so much enjoyment. So is it the best thing he's done? Probably not. Is it one of the things I've enjoyed the most? It, it absolutely is. And even though I wouldn't go to, or sorry, leap to its defence that, that Series 2 is... Um, anything you know particularly big or grand and i don't disagree with any of the points that you've made but but for me and i think one of our listeners said you know i could listen to alan reading the the menu or the phone book i kind of subscribe to that thought where i don't need it to be big or clever i just enjoy spending time with that character and i've enjoyed spending time with him within this tranche does it do you, do you feel though because you say spending time with that character i think obviously we talked about this a lot that the character of Alan in the 90s compared to the character of Alan now is so different. Do you, do you find that an issue in any way? That like we do have a different Alan in 2022 than we did in 1992? I, do you think um, that matters? Well, all I, all I can really sort of say is I prefer the sort of incarnation of Alan now. And I think that the Gibbons, I think, have a better handle on the sort of the DNA and the makeup of the character and... They evolve him in certain ways. They draw on his his legacy and and introduce new things as and when they feel it's it's appropriate. I think they've got a much better handle on that character, and I think that they write. I mean, bear in mind we're talking about nineties Partridge as probably some of the smartest comedy of of that decade, and yet I kind of almost say I think this is smarter writing than that, which is a pretty high watermark to sort of better um so yeah i think for me i prefer this it's not to say that i can see why people wouldn't 
but I prefer this incarnation of Alan. I think it's a it's a warmer, more engaging, often smarter um, version of him, and I enjoy spending time with him. Whereas '90s Alan is a little bit cringe, um, and it's like he holds views that are quite abhorrent. Whereas I feel like the way that the Gibbons can articulate abhorrent opinions or opinions that aren't that I just might not agree with. But I never find myself sort of um, uh, uncomfortable or upset by what he's saying. So I think everyone has basically said the same things that I would say in terms of how I've enjoyed this series and how um, at this point just spending time inside Alan's head is a lot more enjoyable than watching him in a sitcom or in this time, I think I would actually, I think I would actually agree with that. I think we get so many great sound bites and so many funny moments, things that come out of the podcast that we take into our group chats or phrases that we use in when we're talking to each other and stuff like that. And I think at this stage, that's that's good enough for Alan, really. I guess my my one thing that I will say, and I'm going to pose this in the form of a large question. Uh, we are looking at maybe over the last five years or so, maybe even longer, at least one, maybe two Alan projects a year. Are we starting to venture into Alan fatigue territory where there is arguably too much Alan and we're getting to a point where maybe less would be more? Would it be better if he went away for two or three years? Now, obviously, that's only going to happen if people stop asking Steve Coogan and the Gibbons <laughs> brothers to write and make and be paid to make Alan. So obviously what they are doing is successful and making them a lot of money. But also people could, commissioners could just stop asking them to do these things. So, and obviously we had the tour as well. So, you know, are we looking at a point now where we're starting to reach Alan fatigue and these other projects that we're hearing about, it's just like, Obviously, they're getting commissioned to do them, but is there a point where it would actually be better for the character and for uh, and for the quality? And I'm not saying that the quality is dipping because I'm not, because I think it is still excellent. But are we reaching a point of Alan fatigue now? I mean, I, I think I would I would agree with that to an extent. As I say, I, I think when I say like the quality is variable of Oast House, I I'm, I would still say like it's all good quality entertainment slash comedy slash writing, but yeah. You know the the quality of episode to episode is quite variable. So, for me personally, I think in Partridge it's always less is more. Two two series of six things, six episodes and out has always served them so well in the past. So, yeah, I I think more sparing Alan output output would not be a bad thing. I'd agree. Um, I think the last. I think I think the sort of the start of this current era came with the start of this time series one i think that's the point that it's they become a lot more prolific and i think that was the last time it felt like we'd really had any period of absence and it was like oh alan's back you know it was like he returned he was on the bbc it felt like a big deal whereas now i feel like it's almost expected that you get a few things a year mm. i think the optimum amount of output for me is probably one project every one to two years and for each one to be sort of a different medium from the last that would be my ideal scenario i think i think we do have a lot at the moment but i think you know if we were to have a drought of five or six years then i would definitely go back to and revisit a lot of the stuff we've had now but right now yeah it does feel like it's sort of coming through faster than i need it 
Um, I'd always want, you know, I'd always choose Partridge over no Partridge. Yeah. Oh, but I think, I think, I think I would, I'd, it'd be a richer experience if it was a bit, if there was a bit less. You know, what? I, I think the revisiting is key because I think that's probably why we all love the original Partridge stuff so much because we had the opportunity to rewatch and rewatch over years and years, like well, decades basically. And I, I think that's really interesting. There's now so much that there's barely enough time to have done multiple listens unless you've been nick in bed um <laughs> to really get to know all the stuff inside out before it's like oh well now there's another series of this or another series of that yeah i think that's really interesting um so i think that probably concludes our thoughts on uh, from the oast house obviously we'd love to hear from you guys i shan't run through all the socials again but you hear them at the top and tail of every episode so please do get in touch with your thoughts don't forget grant chaps watch we've got five episodes from or inside the oast house we've got five those i believe are our final tallies for the series just have to there say that. <laughs> that's chaps watch for you um and yes and also just to say uh, a huge thanks to everybody who who listens to subscribes rates and uh, and drops us some pennies at ko-fi.com slash muggy tennis um we recently found out that we've hit our three millionth uh, listen which is absolutely wild and insane uh, and so a huge thanks to everybody that's uh, that's stuck with us uh, especially you partridge lifers who've been doing it for 140 episodes um we will undoubtedly be back when partridge returns with new material um and uh, we look forward to uh, discussing it all with you in future but for now from all of us at monkey tennis the anna partridge fan podcast thanks and goodbye katrina <laughs> i am hopping mad and i want something in the middle Aha! Yep, absolutely. Yep, 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 absolutely. Monkey tennis. Bring, bring. There's a new chat in town. I had the last laugh. Done. Monkey tennis. Little pierce my foot on his thigh. With a chuckle, with a chuckle. Oh. Monkey tennis. Radical. Awesome. Mega. <laughs> Monkey tennis. Where's my assistant? I do not know. Okay. Monkey tennis. Edmonds is a total wazzard of a guy. Yes, 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 and yes. It's hotter in the sun. They said, who the hell is that? <laughs> this is great banter. Yeah. Back of the net. Monkey tennis. The people who enjoy Alan Partridge will enjoy this podcast. The people who've never got it still won't get it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.